Hello and welcome back to Nurse in Transition. I'm your host, Kiana Brathwaite. Welcome, welcome. I think this is week number two. Yes, maybe three. <laughs> I'm so confused. Um, I'm not looking at my thing right now, so I'm going off memory, which if it's not in my calendar, I probably won't remember it. Um, but welcome to the episode. This episode, we will be talking about Something that kind of follows up with um, the last episode when I was talking about renewing your license, right? As a nurse in transition, kind of figuring out where you fall in the grand scheme of your nurse practice acts and um, how those acts help you in your transition to whichever industry that you're going to. And do you really need to keep your license depending on that industry? Right. Um, I mentioned kind of my thought process for how I went through that and decided that I was going to keep my license active and a mentor that was telling, you know, that she made a different decision. Um, So this week I'm actually going to talk about leaving the bedside. Right. Um, Because as you're transitioning, that's something that for me, I know in my experience was really difficult and it wasn't something where. I actually saw myself doing it uh, throughout my career. I have loved being at the bedside. I've loved being a caretaker and um, and a nurturer. And I I did not see me being able to do and be those things uh, anywhere other than in the bedside. And of course, yes, a mom and a wife and all that good stuff. But to my servant's heart has really pushed me to be, um, you know, hands-on. I probably would have been right there with a hula hand and mash, right? Arms and everything all the way up to my elbows and operating and helping out and taking care of patients. So, because that's the type of person that I am. And I saw myself, I love mash as a matter of fact, and kind of really saw myself in uh, hot lips and the other nurses and didn't even realize that that's why it was resonating with me until I became older and and that was my calling it's funny that i i bring that up now um so you know why we have a tendency of leaving the bedside uh, i will first share kind of what my experience was and um you know talk about some other possibilities some things that i've seen in my career um And it's funny because uh why nurses leave the bedside that is always a question Every time I go to renew my license, um, that is something that Pennsylvania is trying to get a hold of. I I do not have a license in any other state right now. I'm currently waiting for, um, I would have to look it up, but there's a movement, right? An initiative for reciprocity throughout the uh, 50 states so that nurses in one state, for instance, Maryland is one of those states where I believe you can have your license in Maryland and then cross state lines and practice in the other states that allow and have, have enacted these laws. And I'll look that up so I can mention it during the next episode, just so you'll have that. But because um, I just got an email with their newsletter kind of updating where the states were. Pennsylvania is not one of those states. It's kind of pending I'm, I'm hoping and praying that that's an initiative that Governor Wolf gets behind, um, which would be interesting because then, you know, as far as like renewing, would you renew in your state or would you renew somewhere else? All right. I digress. Um, so why I decided to leave the bedside was it wasn't really a decision that was made for me. Unfortunately, 
I was injured on the job. And looking back, I was injured, actually sustained uh, six injuries to the same body part, my left shoulder. Thank goodness it wasn't my dominant hand uh, or dominant side. Um, but it, it started with a head-on collision in 2007, um, had a, a shortly after returning, after being cleared from that car accident, um, not shortly, probably about three months later, I sustained a work-related injury while lifting a patient in my neuro ICU unit was out from, uh, for about three and a half months because my employer took really good care of me and made sure that they eased me back into work. And it drove me crazy because the work that I was doing, um, was the pre admission assessments, um, and lab work when patients were coming in for surgeries and procedures. And I was used to being, you know, in, in, in the thick of it, right. Doing my mass unit kind of thing. Um, so that was 2007, two injuries, went several years after having children in a house and everything, uh, had no injuries. I remember coming home saying to my husband, probably early 2012, right? I was like, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, what I do at work and the parts of it that I enjoy. And I, I, I had wanted to have my own business since I was probably about 18, 19, and I thought it was going to be in travel. And I was kind of, that was coming back to me around 2012. So I would have been about 32. And I came home and I said to my husband, I was like, you know, I really want to start a business, um, but I'm not sure in what. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was like early 2012, I'd say February, March, maybe. And about three to four months after that, I had my third shoulder injury, uh, work-related. And yeah, so... 2007, two injuries, one car accident related, one work related, five years goes by and I, you know, have another injury and it's work related. I was on the job when it happened. Um, and I've been fortunate when they've happened that in the sense of there were witnesses, right? So it wasn't something that happened in a vacuum where I was by myself. Um, each time I was injured, if I didn't have a manager or supervisor you know, uh, there with me doing it, it was somebody who was a lead nurse or, you know, the head nurse on the floor. And now looking back, I find that really interesting that I had that kind of, um, backing and proof. So 2012, 2013, 2014, before I had my injury in 2014, I decided to go part-time because our children were in private school and I could no longer be per diem. So I needed guaranteed hours. Um, and I took a pay cut for those guaranteed hours. Um, so I had the injury probably about a month and a half to two months after starting the part-time position. Um, went through the process, was sent back to work without being 100%. And in 2015, I sustained my career ending. I always say it's my career ending injury. And it's funny because in 2014... When I had the injury, my physical therapist went uh, probably early 2015. She went on vacation and there was a gentleman who was filling in for her and he was very thorough and he was going through my chart and he was like, uh, did you know that you've had five injuries? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Cause I, I, I sustained them. I've been walking around like, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, why you ask? And he was like, 
to the same body part. I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And every time I've, you know, gone through therapy or whatever the case may be, and I've come back and, you know, that was my plan for this one. And he's like, have you ever thought about stepping away from bedside nursing? Because it's looking like this is getting worse as it's going on. And I was like, hell no, I've never, that's not even crossed my, you know, like I, I, I have a plan and my plan is to be at the bedside until I'm, and I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking, I'm like, I have a plan, right? At the time I was probably 34, 35. And I was like, I'm going to be at the bedside at least another 10 years. And then at that point, I'll decide what I'll do. Um, Five years I had planned on being at the health system in that part-time position for about five years because that would put our kids at a certain age in school and then we could start exploring other options. So like I had a plan and, and not being at the bedside was not part of that plan. And he, he kind of planted a seed though, right? Because I, I had not looked at my situation as an outsider. Um, I looked at my situation as somebody who was in it, living it, doing it and making it work. Um, and when he said that, I, I really, I was, I was flabbergasted, I have to say, because I went home and I was like, huh, I have had pretty much the same injury to my same body part, at least for the last, since I was 2014, so the last three years, right, I've, I've re-injured my shoulder every year. And, um, that kind of shook something in me because I was starting to think, well, you know, am I, what, what's going on? You know, the whole, am I getting old? Do I need to go back to work? So in my head, I was like, okay, I know how to fix this. I'll just kind of work out once, once I'm healed, I'll start working out again and strengthen my shoulder. And, and there, again, you know, kind of shook me, but then I was like, nope, I'm going back to the plan. Um, and I was sent back to work after he left. The attending said that he didn't think that he could validate my no longer being at the bedside because he didn't see anything wrong with my shoulder. And I was like, I'm not 100 percent. I've hit a brick wall in physical therapy. Um, and there's this thing, you know, um, with doctors and other practitioners and providers that are not on and I'm doing air quotes their level. Um, there's a lack of communication that I see a lot of times between physicians and physical therapists and occupation. and everybody has differing theories. And um, I've only seen in situations where teams are brought together to talk to each other at the same time. And that has been with rounds, right? So whether you're med surge or um, like with critical care or ER or whatever the case may be, when you have all these people who have these differing um, perspectives on the patient and their progress, the only time I've seen them on the same page is when they're not in a vacuum, right? They're not separated. They're all together and they're having to face each other and talk about what it is their thoughts are and why they're thinking and going in that direction. But when you're separated, it's very easy for you to say, oh, well, I'm not seeing what they're seeing, but your job is not, your responsibility, your perspective is not the same as theirs. So there needs to be some respect for what other people are saying because you as a doctor just telling me to wave my arm, Right. And yes, there's discomfort, but when the physical therapist has me do things that I would do during my normal activities of daily living and seeing that these things I'm not able to do at certain levels, there's a deficit, right? I, I'm, I can communicate that, but again, I shouldn't have to because the notes are saying it and you know, whatever. So I'm gonna come off my soapbox anyway. 
Um, I told him, I was like, you know, I, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, so he was like, well, I'll send you back to work. I was like, you're sending me back. I'm not a hundred percent. Well, I, you know, I'm worried about the insurance company and, but I was like, mm-hmm. Okay. Go back to work. Um, in March of 2015. And I told my supervisor and everybody, and I will employ, implore anyone listening to this who sustains a work-related injury. Get yourself legal counsel because you don't know what you don't know until you find out what you don't know. And that can be of detriment to you. And as you heard last season, if you listened to last season, um, what we are going through and have gone through is a direct result of the loss of three years of income that I will never, ever be able to recoup. So make sure you're covering your ass because your company is definitely going to cover theirs. All right. Um, was injured again in May after telling everybody I wasn't hundred percent. And this time my workers comp benefits were denied. And so the spiral began. Um, that was really hard for me because again, I had this plan at 35 that I was going to be in nursing at the bedside for at least another 10 years. And when that was not a possibility because there was talk of me needing surgery in 2015, which I absolutely was staunch again. I said, no, I'm going to do physical therapy until I can't do physical therapy anymore because I will not be cut open. I've been able to bounce back from these and I don't see any reason for me to have surgery. Meanwhile, I'm fighting to um, appeal the process. And it, it was, it was, it was long and arduous. Um, and there were some moments there where I doubted myself and what was going on with my body. But so that's why I stepped away. Right. Um, I was forced to based upon what was going on with my health. And eventually I did have surgery and I'm fully recovered and I'm not going back to the bedside. <laughs> um, some things were shown to me as an employee that I hadn't been exposed to before. And I, I personally don't want to put myself and my family back in that position. Um, I really don't want to be abandoned the way that I was. So that's that. Um, as mentioned in the previous episode that my mentor who had worked for a health system that I was hired in for well over 30 years. And she ended up getting a director who did not like her, her reputation preceded her and they forced her out. Um, and I've seen this happen to a lot of nurses um, as they've gotten older um, throughout my career, because I started in healthcare at uh, 17, 18, and um, really watched as nurses started to age how they were being treated. And a lot of times they were forced out and my mentor was forced out. She was actually fired and she decided after how she was treated that she would no longer stay in the she tried another health system didn't really like it and said to heck with nursing um i've paid my dues there and i'm going to do something else and she's successful in the industry in which she's in now but um i kind of believe she made that decision kind of you know angry and i get it um again i understand i was completely abandoned by an employer i had worked for for seven years really put my blood sweat and tears into and then was told oh yeah, your injury is not valid. We're not paying for it any. We're not paying for it at all. And you're going to have to fight us to get what you're supposed to get. And even when I did, I didn't get anywhere near what I had lost. Um, so I understand that. And then, you know, there's the thing. I remember when um, some friends of mine who graduated from nursing school, we were all talking about kind of what our career would look like. Right. And we recognized that we really didn't want to be at the bedside until we retired. And what were the options for us 
as far as doing something different. Um, one has gone into education. Another one's gone into case management. I'm not sure. I think my other friend, she's still at the bedside. She might not be, but she, I think she is. I think she's the only one who is still at the bedside, but the group of us who graduated at the same time and then passed our boards at the same time, we are all not doing anything near what we were doing, um, 13, 14 years ago. So 14, yeah, 14, 2006. Um, some of the other reasons why nurses leave the bedside are factors that, um, you know, there's an inadequate response from administration. I think that a lot of times administration has these policies and initiatives that they think are great. And I've noticed that a lot of nurses that are in administration, it, for me, you know, they, they came out, they got their BS and they went straight into administration. They're so far removed from the bedside and what real life is. It's ridiculous because the managers that are in it that have to get back on the floor because they're helping cover their staff and their hands still get dirty. They are very different in how they implement policies that come from higher ups. Um, the ones that are just sitting in their office with their head down, crunching numbers and having to deal with that, they, they're, their leadership is different, um, very different. So other things are understaffing, right? Um, low pay, you know, we, we put a lot into caring for patients. Our patient population here has gotten a lot heavier and not able to do as much or not willing to. I'm not really sure which. I think some of it's not able and some of it is just not willing. Um, some of it is the misnomer when they come into the health system that they believe now it's time for them to be taken care of. Um, and then they're not doing what they need to do for themselves at home. So that self-care, health literacy, all of that you know, comes into play. Uh, and what their expectations are for their taking an active role in their health. Um, injuries, physical injuries. Uh, I am one of those who fell victim to physical injuries. There's burnout. You know, we're working 12-hour shifts, so we're working five, eight. I, I, God bless any nurse that's working five eights because... I was not able to do it. Even, even when I was in interventional radiology, it was an outpatient setting and there was a little less lifting. I mean, there was still a lot. Um, I couldn't do five days. I tried it several times and I, it was, I'm not built like that. So whew, kudos to you guys that are doing five, five eights. That's amazing. Um, so those are some of the things, peers, peer, abuse from peers. I've, I've seen a lot about uh, bullying and nursing. And I know when I graduated, there was, you know, the trial by fire and which I didn't agree with because I, I recognized that they knew how they felt when they were treated like that. And I thought, well, if you know that it didn't feel good, why would you propagate or perpetuate this kind of behavior upon other people? Um, but, you know, it's the abuse, the abuse becomes the abuser kind of mindset, I guess. So um, peer bullying is a, is a really tough thing, and it's something that's, that's not really being handled well, from what I can see, by a lot of employers. Um, yeah, and high-acuity patients with um, the real big push here in Pennsylvania is the patient-to-nurse ratio. I remember when I worked in the ICU in one of the health systems in the city, we would have, it was supposed to be a two-to-one ratio. Um, there were times where we had a patient who was supposed to be stepped down uh, waiting for a bed and we would have three to one if our one of our uh, actual critical care patients wasn't 
as ill as the other one, which I thought was asinine and ridiculous and unsafe. Um, and was very vocal about that at the time. And it seems to continue that they come up with these algorithms to determine, you know, how many patients one nurse can have. Uh, again, these are people who are not at the bedside. They're not dealing with any of the day-to-day hands-on frontline stuff. Um, and that really bothered me. That's another reason why I, I, I'm a little too old to go back to the bedside. Um, a little too disgruntled. Um, so, yeah, so those are some of the reasons why nurses are leaving the bedside. Others are, um, you know, it's, it's a very stressful, draining position. Uh, you're constantly pouring into people. And I, I have always said, you know, nursing to me has been a thankless job. I knew going in that I wouldn't always get thanked for the work that I did. And I was okay with that. Um, I never have even thought of nursing as a career option for either one of my children, my son nor my daughter, because of its labor intensity, emotional intensity, um, and the fact that it took me a very long time to be okay with taking care of myself before I took care of someone else. And it actually took me leaving um, the field at the bedside to really start to figure out what that looked like for me, what my health looked like for me. And that's sad, but you know, by the time you work 12 hours and you go grocery shopping and you come home, what, what do you have left for yourself? You know? So, um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's it in a nutshell. If there's anything else that you want to add to that, any comments that you have, please feel free to share. I would love, love, love to hear just your experiences, you know, your feedback. Are there any other reasons that you've seen, you know, that nurses, are leaving the bedside? Are you one of the nurses that have left the bedside or are you considering it for those reasons or something else? I would love to hear that. So it's been wonderful sitting with you. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Um, My name is Kiana Brathwaite and you can definitely go to the website, www.resourceandhealthcare.com to sign up for the newsletter, but I would love to hear from you. So email is always best because I answer at all crazy hours. Sometimes I'm up at 2.30 in the morning working on things. Um, so don't, <laughs> don't pay attention to the time if you email me. Um, info at kbcalls.com, I-N-F-O at Kilo Bravo Cat Alpha Lima Sam.com. And I look forward to seeing you, hearing you, talking to you again soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day whenever you're listening to this and a great rest of your week. Take care.